I was just horrified, of course. Um, it's so tragic when people die from anything like this. It's a terrifying disease, and I just can't imagine the impact that it has both on the people who are ill but on the people they leave behind. When you look at this outbreak and you've done your research into the last epidemic, what do you think would be the best approach for researchers and epidemiologists, etc., who are going to the scene? Well, incredibly important, of course, is to trace all contacts. And then public awareness campaigns and careful funeral practices came out in our study as the two most effective management actions that could be taken to prevent further cases developing. Now, that was extremely important. I remember as far as the funeral practices go, that was a major cultural change for the people of West Africa, who would wash the bodies before burial. Indeed. It's very, very difficult. I can understand that if that is how you feel you are sending your family member on to not do something that they expected that you would do for them. I mean, I myself would find that very, very challenging. But I hope that people would understand that it's more important to safeguard the lives of those in the next generations because the practices are very, very dangerous because Ebola is transmitted through fluids. And so by touching and washing the body after death, when viral load is extremely high, that is an extremely, extremely dangerous thing to do for the person who handles the body because there is a very high chance then that they will contract Ebola themselves. Let me read a quote from you. It says, mm -hmm. when a disease outbreak happens, there is a lot of information that you just don't know who will get sick, how will the disease spread, what will make things worse or better, but you still have to act. What do you mean? So an outbreak happens, and in the case of Ebola, for example, we might not know where it started or who's been in touch with someone who's been infected. We may not know the mortality rate. We may not even know if it really is Ebola. It could be some other hemorrhagic disease which might require some other treatment. And yet, to do nothing is still an action. You can decide to do nothing, but that is still doing nothing. And mostly we want to help. And so we try to do something to make it better. But there are a lot of different possible things that one could do. And some of those will be more effective than others. And the problem is that at the beginning of an outbreak, you don't always know that. What was fascinating about the 2014-2015 Ebola outbreak was that there was a great deal of debate in the literature, in the scientific literature and in the press about how big the outbreak was going to be. And people were making estimates from relatively small outbreaks, maybe 10,000 people to relatively large outbreaks, well over a million in size. And because of this huge diversity of potential outcomes, there was a lot of discussion about which models were correct and so forth. What we did in our study was we took 37 of those models and recoded them to make sure we got the same answers they did. And yet what we did was ask a slightly different question. We asked not how many people will get sick, but what should we do about it? And what it turns out is that no matter what size of outbreak the model predicted, Nearly all of the models agreed that two things were the best things to do, and that was to improve funeral practices and reducing community transmission, and that could be through sanitation kits, 
through uh, public awareness campaigns, through self-quarantine. So if you feel you're ill, maybe stay at home until you're sure that it's not Ebola to make sure you don't pass it on to your friends or in relations. It seems so simple to come up with two answers like that. We looked at five main actions that people took. So this also included increasing hospitalization, reducing hospital transmission, as well as the reducing funeral transmission and transmission in the community. And it turns out that some of those actions, while they're very, very good for the individual patient, clearly you want to get to hospital, for example. While it's good for the patient, it does not stop the outbreak. It's funeral practices and improving those and reducing transmission within the general community that will really stop the outbreak in its tracks much more effectively than getting everyone to hospital. Now, of course, in the last big outbreak when it happened, the local health services were overwhelmed. The World Health Organization was scrambling. Now that you've looked at that uh, major epidemic, were you able to sort of narrow it down and make the next approach may be more focused than it was during the earlier epidemic? I believe that the approach we have put forward would indeed do that because it allows disparate scientific groups to put forward their best understanding of what's going on. And for a policymaker, instead of having to choose between them, should I trust this group or should I trust this group? They're telling me completely different things. And in fact, there's a way of synthesizing all of those different inputs to find out where there is advice that is grounded in scientific understanding, but that is common to all of the different research efforts, so that there's some confidence that this is actually an action that would be worth taking.